We come now, brethren, to the preaching of God's Word, and I invite you to open your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of 1 Peter and the third chapter, the book of 1 Peter and the third chapter. I'll be reading and preaching this morning on one verse, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. I invite you to read along silently as I read aloud this morning. Here Peter writes, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's pray. God and Father, we thank you for your kindness to us today, and we would ask now for the work of the Holy Spirit, that he would be our teacher and our guide as we deal with this very important passage today. We would ask for understanding of it. We would ask that you would use this word, this timely word to us today to transform our thinking and to renew our commitment to follow you in obedience, not only in the family, but in all that we do. Well, we ask these things this morning in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. This morning we continue and we will conclude our brief series on submission in marriage. And our focus is now upon the husband and the submission that God requires from him. And of course, in speaking of the husband and of his responsibility to be submissive, we immediately get into territory where there can be considerable confusion on this particular topic. And thus, this topic needs to be dealt with carefully and with great clarity and wisdom. For when I say that husbands are to be submissive in marriage, and I do not hesitate to say that this morning, that they are to be submissive in marriage, I am not denying the reality or the need for male headship or leadership in the institution of marriage. For the Bible is clear. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. Just as the church submits to Christ, so also must wives submit in everything to their own husbands. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Yet when we talk about submission on the part of a man, we say without hesitation that a man has responsibilities. When we say without hesitation this morning that a man has a right to his own wife's submission, we are not saying that a husband is free from all obligations to submit himself. For clearly every husband who lives and serves under the human institutions that God has established for our good, is called to live a life of submission, just as his wife is called to live to a life of submission. In fact, husbands who are very quick to demand that their wives fulfill their obligation to submit to them without acknowledging their own duty to submit to God are often the ones who need the most correction in this area of submission. For a husband who ignores his own duty to submit 
and yet demands that his wife submits to him fully and unconditionally is not only being unreasonable, but he's also being unloving towards his wife as well. For true love for one's spouse makes no such unreasonable demands. For true love, biblical love from a God-fearing husband says to his wife, these words, yes, I desire your submission to me in marriage. I need your submission to me in order to make our marriage function as God has designed it to function. But I am first willing, I am first prepared to be the kind of husband that you want to submit to. Yes, I am willing to live and to act towards you in a way that encourages, that promotes your willing and free and spontaneous submission to me, because your submission to me is important. And in your submission to me and in my submission to you, God is honored and our marriage is strengthened and our happiness as a couple is promoted and advanced. Therefore, a wise husband, a husband who has the mind of Jesus Christ, is not hesitant to claim, nor is he afraid to say aloud so that everyone can hear the word submission in reference to himself and to his own actions. He is not too proud to say openly, I am a man under submission. But Jesus Christ has called me as a husband to submit to him, to learn from Christ's own example of headship over the church, what being a loving husband really means. And I have come to realize that by submitting my own will to the proper care and nurture of my wife as God's gift to me, I come closer to being the kind of man and the kind of leader within the home that God has called me to be for his glory and for my family's good. And so given that husbands are called to a life of submission in marriage, just as their wives are called to a life of submission in marriage, Peter does not hesitate in this section on submission regarding husbands to begin with this word, likewise. Notice that here at the beginning of verse 7, likewise, in the same way. For just as a wife has her duties in the area of submission to God and to her spouse, so the husband does likewise. What are a Christian husband's spiritual duties in this area? Well, I want us to notice here in our text this morning, again, verse 7, one verse of Scripture, verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 3, that, that Peter mentions four essential duties that husbands have in modeling true Christian submission before their wives and their families. And I want us to consider these four essential duties briefly this morning. And the, the first duty that Christian husbands have with reference to submission in marriage is to live or to dwell happily with their own wives, with the wives that God has given to them as a gift in an understanding way. Notice that. In an understanding way. Now, what exactly does that mean, in an understanding way? 
Well, several interpretations for these words here in verse 7 have been offered by Bible commentators and scholars. For example, some insist that the understanding way that husbands are to model here in this passage involves an appreciation of what their own duties towards their wives actually are. What their own duties to their wives actually are. So the understanding here would refer to the husband's understanding in that interpretation, meaning that husbands are not to live or to try to dwell with their wives in complete ignorance of what their spiritual duties to them are. They are not to be oblivious. They are not to be unknowing of what a husband's primary responsibilities to his wife are, but they are to understand them. They are to know well what is required of them from Scripture. And is it possible for a man to be oblivious, to be unknowing of what his spiritual duties to his wife are? Yes, it is possible. I can tell you as an experienced pastor that I've dealt with many men who have not had a good grasp or understanding of what their responsibilities are. Or if a husband thinks and believes, for example, that his wife exists merely to obey him and to fulfill his physical needs, and he gives no thought or attention to her or to her needs, then he is a profoundly ignorant man. And I don't care if he calls himself a believer or not. Ignorant men, through their own blindness and short-sightedness, deprive their wives of what they have a right to know and what they have a right to receive from an intelligent and sensitive husband. And men, your your wife deserves an intelligent and sensitive husband. Sadly, men who lack understanding of this are, are far too common in our day, even in homes that claim to be God-fearing. Simply claiming to know God doesn't make a man understanding in this area. And especially if he's not had exposure within the church to good godly examples of Christian husbands. And so a man who lacks an understanding of what his own duties are with respect to his own wife can be the cause of much disharmony and dissatisfaction within his own marriage. And to be honest with you, it is not the responsibility, it is not the place of the wife to have to teach her husband how he should behave. To teach her husband how he should be treating her. And sadly, that often happens. This is why many men, particularly in our day, need to be taught how to be biblical husbands. They need to be taught how to be biblical husbands. In fact, this is one of the reasons why we have, within the ministry of this church, our bi-weekly Saturday men's studies. Because we realize that learning how to be a wise Christian husband doesn't come automatically. It doesn't happen simply by showing up on Sundays and occupying a pew. 
but rather it comes by reading and wrestling through the teaching of God's Word. It comes by listening to and interacting with mature Christian men who are understanding husbands. It comes through exposure to men who are capable of teaching other men how Jesus Christ is the model of what an understanding husband truly is. And certainly there is a sense in which Peter is affirming here in this verse that husbands need to understand their duties. However, I think that Peter is stressing a little more than that, just that bare essential knowledge and understanding. Then secondly, some commentators suggest that this understanding that Peter urges husbands to possess is an understanding of the basic differences between men and women. An understanding of the basic differences between men and women. As if Peter were saying to husbands here, understand that your wives are different than you are, and then you can begin to understand what you need to do in terms of strategy on how to lead them. However, this second interpretation, which, by the way, is popular in many Christian books today, this second interpretation, in my opinion, misses the point that Peter is trying to make here entirely. It's a bad interpretation. Peter is not arguing here for husbands to be experts in the psychology of men and women. In fact, you've probably been exposed to this. Some years ago, there was a very popular marriage book out in the general population, and unfortunately, it got picked up by some Christian groups and promoted. It was a book called Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. You may remember that book. Teaching how men and women are different, how they approach life and marriage in different ways. But Peter's goal here is not to teach relationship tips on how to get along better by knowing and respecting differences. Peter is not trying to convince us to find ways to work compromise between the different ways that men and women deal with conflict. But rather, it's clear from the context here, which is not on seeking compromise, but on building intimacy within Christian marriages, that Peter's focus is upon each husband's God-given responsibility to understand his own wife and her own unique needs her own unique needs as a woman of God and as his wife. And by this word, needs, I'm not suggesting that Christian husbands should see their wives as being needy. But I kind of get tired of hearing that terminology from men, that my wife is, is so needy. In fact, some of our wives could probably testify this morning and would be glad to testify to the fact that when it comes to being needy, many husbands are by far the most vocal and demanding. Men, this should certainly not be the case with us. 
but rather the Apostle Peter is saying here that since Christian husbands are to follow the model of Jesus Christ, who truly understands his bride and what is required to meet her spiritual needs, her spiritual happiness and growth and grace, there must be a continual effort on the part of a Christian husband to truly understand his own wife to truly understand her, to know with genuine interest how she's doing physically, emotionally, and spiritually. To understand as much as is possible with another person what troubles her, what motivates her, what inspires her, what encourages her, what discourages her what she loves, what pains her, what she dreams about, what she agonizes over, in order that he might minister to her, in order that he might be there when she needs that understanding support that only he, as her husband, can give to her. For the truth is, husbands, you and I have no right to expect that our wives will remain open to us and continue to respond favorably and warmly to our leadership if we make little or no effort to understand them, to live with them, to dwell with them in an understanding way that demonstrates that, that we truly care. Therefore, I urge you, I urge me as a Christian husband today to seek first in our relationships to truly understand our wives' needs. Of course, this will require some things from us, won't it? It will require that we actually listen to our wives, that we ask them questions about how they're doing and how they're feeling in order that we might minister to them wisely. For before we can build them up, before we can show genuine concern for them, we must first endeavor to understand their needs. And no doubt this is why the Apostle Peter mentions this duty first here in verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 3. For an understanding husband is a, a wise husband. An understanding husband is a sensitive husband. An understanding husband is a truly Christ-like husband. Think about how Christ responds to us and our needs. And that's a model, an example of how we as Christian husbands should respond to our wives' needs. Then let us notice here in verse 7 that Peter also mentions a second duty, or, or better yet, a second privilege. A second privilege. And that is the Christian husband has to model biblical submission to his wife, and that is he must show honor to her as the weaker vessel. Show honor to her as the weaker vessel. And again, brethren, we have to be very careful in our understanding and application of the language here because in the minds of many in our popular lost culture today the idea of weakness or the concept of being weaker suggests something that should be pitied or looked down upon something as inferior or inadequate and yet Peter is not suggesting here that a, that a husband should pity his wife for being less than he is or to look down on his wife because of her particular ideas or needs as a woman. But rather, Peter begins this command in the context of showing women honor. Notice that. Honor. 
Notice his words, showing honor to the woman. And needless to say, there is no way that these words from Peter could be used in any sense to justify treating one's wife with dishonor. Rather, when a wife is honored by her husband, she is recognized by him as being worthy of his esteem, as fully deserving of his respect, as an equal in the sight of God, and as being someone that he can trust and someone that he can totally and completely comply or confide with. What are some ways, husbands, that we can show honor to our wives? Let me give you a couple of ways you can do this. By placing their needs above your own. By seeking out and valuing their thoughts and their opinions. By giving their counsel to you proper weight and consideration the weight and consideration that it deserves, by considering their hopes and their aspirations for life and for the future as being just as important as your hopes and aspirations. Furthermore, a man can show honor to his wife by recognizing her gifts and her abilities, by making sure that she is not denied opportunities to use her gifts and abilities for God's glory. He can recognize that her prayers are just as effectual as his prayers. He can request that she pray for him and for their family. In addition, he can show a genuine interest in her work, in her devotion to the family. For husbands, your wives, your wife and her sincere devotion to God and her willingness to submit to your leadership is fully deserving of your honor. Honor. Only a husband who has no sense of gratitude to God for the gift of a Christian wife and who is so preoccupied with his own self-interest that he cannot see the contributions of his own wife would fail to honor her. A truly gracious and grateful husband cannot help but see his wife and her selfless devotion to him in the best possible light. As honorable service to him and to the Lord, he does not hesitate to appreciate and to praise her as a fellow companion, as a life companion on the path to the celestial city of God. It's what it means, a part of what it means to honor our wives. Of course, this brings us to the third scriptural duty that a Christian husband has by way of modeling a life of submission in his own life, and that is he should see her, he should see her not only as a present companion, but as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Not only as a present companion, but as a fellow heir of the grace of life. And truly, it is the failure on the part of so many men to see and to understand this reality that lies at the root of their disregard and disrespect for their own wives. For if men do not recognize the sovereign hand of God 
in providing them with wives that they now possess, it's very unlikely that they will honor their wives and love their wives as they should. And yet, if we believe that our marriages, while imperfect, are indeed a part of God's sovereign and merciful plan for us, and that the spouses that we have are given to us as flawed as we are for a divine purpose, then we will be far more likely to see a reason to honor those women who are now joined to us as husbands in marriage. And of course, Peter here in our text this morning is appealing to this to this higher purpose. He's appealing to this reality that we've been given our spouses and our spouses have been given to us because there is something larger in the picture. There is something much larger at stake than our own interests, than our own careers, than our own agendas. There's a bigger picture. There's a grander purpose. There's a sovereign purpose that God is accomplishing through our marriages. For the woman, the wife that you are married to in a covenant relationship today is an heir with you of the grace of life. She shares a common faith with you that is more important than anything and everything that this perishing world can offer to you. She is God's unique provision for you. Think of that. Perfectly suited for you, made for you, God's unique provision. She is an heir with you of the riches and the rewards to come. You have been given to each other to help one another, to stay focused on the grace that is found in Jesus Christ, to stay focused on that life which is to come. In fact, the very reality that you are now together committed to one another in marriage reminds you of the vital spiritual bond that exists between Christ and his church. And you would no more think of severing or dishonoring that bond between you and your spouse than you would think of separating Christ and his people. For those who are joined together in a common spiritual life, those who are spiritual heirs together of a common spiritual inheritance, though they do sometimes disappoint one another, though they do sometimes hurt one another, should never lose sight of the bigger picture. They should never lose their sense of and their confidence in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ to keep their relationship together, to give them the grace that they need to forgive one another. O Christian husband, hear my voice this morning. The woman sitting beside you, the wife that God has given to you, walks with you along the path that has been appointed for you. She is your provision. She is your help. She completes you. It's not easy for both of you. Both of you are sinners. Your selfish hearts often dislike that part of the journey that requires sacrifice and putting away 
unforgiving and bitter spirits towards one another. But God would have you to know this morning through the urgent pleading of the Apostle Peter here that marriage is worth the effort. That marriage is part of his divine plan. That you and your spouse are in this together for his divine purpose. You are partners together in a way that only Christians can understand. You are together in a way that should profoundly affect the way you view your commitment to one another in marriage, in a way that should prevent you from disrespecting and dishonoring one another or treating your marriage as if it's disposable or something that doesn't demand your full commitment. Because the truth is, your marriage to one another is not only designed to promote your happiness in this life, but it's also designed to promote your growth in grace and sanctification all the way to glory. To promote your understanding of what biblical submission is, to powerfully remind you every day in a good and needful way that life is not about living only to yourself. In fact, in the case of Christian marriages, there is no living only for ourselves. We are committed to God and to our spouses. We cannot disregard our, our commitments to either's, especially in the context of marriage, and at the same time prosper spiritually. For the oneness that we now share with our spouses is so far-reaching, so intimate, so all-encompassing, that our spiritual progress and growth are bound up in it. Our spiritual progress and growth are bound up in our marriage. In fact, men, this explains the fourth and final duty or privilege that the Apostle Peter impresses upon us as Christian husbands who are called to submission here in verse 7. Notice this. This fourth duty or privilege is is this, that we must not neglect our wives or fail to treat them as fellow heirs, because to do so would be to hinder the very effectiveness of our own prayers. Notice what Peter says here at the end of verse 7, that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, these words from Peter here should bring spiritual soberness to our thoughts very quickly. And I'll tell you why. It should bring soberness to our thoughts very quickly. Because you and I desperately need to be effective in our prayers for the sake of our wives, for the sake of our families, for the sake of our spiritual ability to protect and to bring blessing upon those who live under our roof. There are many things that depend upon the effectiveness of our prayers. And yet Peter warns us here that the first thing to go, notice that, the first thing to go, the first thing that we forfeit, when we dishonor our wives, when we step out of that submissive role that God has called us into, is intimacy with God in prayer. The first thing. For that spirit that should make our prayers effective, 
that spirit that should make our prayers enjoyable, that thing that gives our prayers wings to soar heavenly, heavenward, is hindered, is forfeited when we dishonor our wives. That's when our prayers, my prayers, don't rise any higher than the ceiling above us. Oh, Christian husbands, how can we think so foolishly as to assume that our holy and majestic God will grant us genuine and lasting intimacy with him in prayer if we are actively disrespectful or harboring a spirit of ingratitude toward our wives? How can we think that for a moment? Or when we're demanding of them that they submit to us now, and yet we are not honoring them as the weaker vessel. When the last time we spoke to our wives was with harshness or insensitivity or with indifference to their specific needs as our wives. No, we have no right to ask God to bless our leadership as husbands, and to grant us the love and respect of our wives if we are not submitting to what God is calling us to do as husbands. If we are not living with our wives in an understanding way, if we are not continually showing honor to them, not just in public where everyone is watching, but also in private, in your home where no one can see where no one can overhear the conversation. That's right, brother, except God. How many times were one thing in public, different thing within the confines of the walls of our homes? Shouldn't be the case. Shouldn't be the case. Oh, husbands, let us honor our wives. Let us give ourselves wholly to them we will not only have fulfilling marriages, but we will also know the smile and the favor of God as well. Man, that's what I want in my life, the smile and the favor of God. I want a happy wife. Yes, I do. By God's grace, I'll endeavor to do that. And I know you will too, but I want the smile and the favor of God in my life. May God grant us that. Give us wisdom to obey these commands. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for your word today, and we would ask for mercy and help and strength in this time of need. This is a time for Christian husbands, including myself, Father, to stand up and be the kind of men that we're called to be, to honor our wives, to love them, to sacrifice for them, to pray for them, to understand them and their needs, to be the men that they need us to be. We would confess to you freely this morning that so often we are not. So often we fail in these areas, and so often we do not give it the thought that it deserves. And so we would ask you to forgive us today. We would ask you to give us the grace and the intelligence and the sensitivity to be different kind of men. The kind of men that our 
wives delight that they find great pleasure in obeying that they find great joy in submitting Father may you grant that for your kingdom may you grant that for your own glory may you transform our homes and our families as a result of the relationship that exists between husband and wife under the leadership of the submissive husband. Grant us these things today. And if there's somebody here who's outside of Jesus Christ today and knows nothing of what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ, may you grant them an understanding of their need of salvation, first of all. The fact that they could never even think or conceive of being the kind of husband that they need to be apart from salvation in Jesus Christ and apart from the Spirit of God working within them and within them. But Father, to all of us who know you, grant us grace, grant us courage, grant us the strength of our convictions, grant us consistency in action and obedience for your own glory. For we ask these things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.